Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. I know and people in the world, and they have all kinds of marketing techniques of trying to sell their product. And these people who market their product, they're confident that somehow their product is good and they know it's going to work, and therefore they give it to you for free, knowing that if you try it, you'll buy it. But it isn't always the case. I even read about a little boy whose mother was trying to give him some castor oil, and she was trying to do all the selling that she could to get him to take that castor oil. And and show you how many years ago that was. I don't use castor oil anymore. <laughs> and the boy just, mmm, mmm, closes his mouth. He ain't going to buy. He's not buying. And, and finally, his mother said to him, said, you know, Wilbur, if you say to yourself, it tastes good, it tastes good, it tastes good, then you're going to take it very easily. Little Wilbur was too clever for his mom and he thought about it and had a moment of inspiration. He said, no, Mom, I have a better idea. I just say to myself, I've already taken it. I've already taken it. I've already taken it. <laughs> no one have to take it. But trying a product or trying something that we know works also works in our Christian witness. Now, I'm not comparing the seriousness of sharing Christ with others with marketing technique, but I want to make the point. Because we know that Jesus is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Therefore, we are confident. Because we know that He is not just one among equals, but He is the one. We are confident. Because we know for sure that He is the only Savior and Lord, and therefore, we don't have to market Jesus, we don't have to sell Jesus, we don't have to entice people to come to Jesus, we don't even have to use smoke and mirror, some people do. We don't try to ram Him down some people's throats, like other religions do. There are some other religions where, because they're not confident about their religious system, they manipulate, they do all sorts of things, and including killing you if you don't convert to their religious system. But we don't do that because we have confidence, not only that He is the only Lord and Savior, but we have confidence that He's the only one who can convert us all. He's the only one who can do that. We can never convert anybody. We can only introduce people to Jesus and Jesus to people. Our job is like that some of those dear people standing there at the supermarket selling you to taste it. <laughs> taste. Offer a taste. Experience Him for yourself. Our task is so simple. It is like that of Philip. Come and see. Can you say that with me? Come and see. That's it. And you know, Sometimes when you share Christ with a person, the ripple effect goes on and on and on and on, and you really will never understand the complete results and the full fruit of it until you go to heaven. Our task is to just tell a person, come and see. Are you searching for the truth? Come and see. Are you 
your conscience so burdened with guilt and sin? Come and see. Is your heart bound with grief? Come and see. Have you tried everything else and, and have failed? Come and see. Are you uncertain? If you die today, you will be in heaven for sure. Come and see. If you have no peace or contentment in your life, come and see. Come to the only one that I know who could heal my broken heart. Come to the only one that I know who could have forgiven me all of my sins. Come to the only one I know who could remove all of my guilt and shame. Come to the only one that I know who could give me peace and joy even in the tough times and the dark times of life. Come to the only one that I know who could assure me of eternal life with Him in heaven. Come to the only one that I know who could make my life purposeful and meaningful and joyful. And he can do the same for you. You see, no coercion, no arm twisting, no manipulation. Why should we? Why should we? We want nothing in return. we got nothing to sell for our benefit. We are compelled by love. We are propelled by desire to see people eternally saved. <laughs> we have one desire, and that is have others come and discover what we have discovered, the greatest treasure of all. And for that, you don't have to be verbal. You don't have to be verbose. You don't have to be articulate. You don't have to be outgoing. You don't have to be extrovert. Uh, you don't have to be a scholar. All you have to say is what? And the Bible tells us about such a man. He was a quiet man. He was a shy man. He was an unassuming man. I'm going to show you. He really is the kind of man who would have been easily lost in the shuffle. He's the kind of man who would be easily lost in a crowd. It's not the kind of man that stands out. John chapter 1, as we look at this incredible man. This is the only place where we actually find him in a little bit more detail Later on, John also tells us more about him. In fact, John is the only one who tells us about Philip, and I'm going to tell you why. Verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Don't miss the next one. I think most people do. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, those are the two brothers, was from the little town. Actually, it's a tiny little village, a little fishing village of Bethesda. Now, before I get to that, notice that it was Jesus who found Philip. Did you get that? Philip did not find Jesus. Jesus found Philip. And my beloved, listen to me. Regardless of the methods by which we come to Christ, regardless of the way each of us come to Christ, regardless of the instrument whom Christ uses to bring us to Himself, in the final analysis, Jesus finds us, not the other way around. Why did John choose to give us that little bits of information? Why did he choose to tell us that Philip is from that tiny little village from which Peter and Andrew came? You see, when Andrew followed Jesus, what did he do? You know what the first thing he did? He went and found his big brother Peter. Big brother Peter. <laughs> Don't you love Peter? I mean, you just have to love Peter. He's larger than life. You see, Andrew is very shrewd. 
And he knew that Peter can become useful for the kingdom. I'm convinced that's why he's the patron saint of Scotland. (laughs) Who else in the Bible can bring a few loaves and fishes to Jesus and he can feed (laughs) 5,000? See? That guy is our man. So he's the patron saint. Andrew was shrewd. He really was. And he knew that Peter can become very useful for the kingdom. I mean, Peter was big mouth, verbose, and he comes to the room, you know, mouth first. He's the kind of guy who, who kind of gets things done. I mean, he is an important guy, and Peter would, would be a good person to enlist in the work of Jesus. I mean, he is a shaker and a mover, man. And Andrew knew that about his big brother, and he wanted to bring him to Jesus. So... He brought him to Jesus. But this is a tiny little village. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody saw everybody. Philip is from that same town. Why didn't he bring Philip? Ah, I told you. Philip is the kind of person who everybody overlooks. He's the one that nobody remembers to bring. That's why Jesus found him. In fact, the only record found about Philip is in John's gospel. The other gospel just mentioned him as a disciple of Jesus. But if you read the other gospels, you're going to have to conclude that Philip was a nobody. In fact, some people read the other gospel and said Philip did nothing, didn't do much. Listen to me. In the sight of God, there is no one who is a nobody. Can I get a witness? The fact John deliberately shows us how somebody who can be overlooked by others and yet can be so effective for Jesus Christ. Someone said, actually, Philip is the patron saint of all the shy and quiet and unassuming people. (laughs) Be that as it may. You might be a person who identify with Philip. You might be a person who says, man, I am not the kind of person who... Get things done. I'm a quiet person. I'm a behind-the-scenes person. Let me tell you something. If you identify with Philip, God can use you in a far greater way than you even thought possible. You can be sure of one thing, and that's this. You are important in the sight of Jesus, and he seeks you out. To Jesus, you are not invisible. To Jesus... You are of immense importance. I'm going to show you in a minute how Philip was so important to Jesus. Look at verse 45 of John chapter 1. As soon as Philip found by Jesus, it says, Philip found Nathanael, and he told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Before I get to this, I want you to know that if you read the accounts of the gospel, you're going to have to conclude, all of them for that matter, that Nathaniel was not one of the twelve. You read the list of the disciples in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. Listen, he's not there. That's because John uses his first name, Nathaniel, and the other writers of the gospel use his last name, Bartholomew. That's his last name. Bar in Hebrew means son. Like Bar Mitzvah, son of the law. Bar Tholomew. He's the son of Tholomew. 
Philip, the quiet man, though he's a shy man, in his own way, he wanted to bring people to Christ, and he succeeded in spades. You see, quiet and shy people can invite friends and say to them what? Come and see. Don't ever think that you are too shy to bring somebody to Christ. Don't ever think that you're not outgoing enough to bring some, to invite somebody to come to Christ. In fact, those are the most effective people for Christ. And so Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, The Messiah is here. The one whom our ancestors looked forward to, whom they longed for, is here. The one who's in every book of our Bible, the Old Testament, who prophesied about coming, is here now. The one whom God promised back in Genesis 3.15 is here now. The one of whom Moses said that God will raise somebody like unto myself, is here. The one who redeems Israel is here. The one who's the only Savior and Lord is here. The one who's the only way to heaven and to the Father is here. The one who is the only Son of God is here. The one who's one and true Messiah is here. But notice Nathaniel's reaction. I'm sure if you ever had any experience, you, you would say, that's not surprise. You know, this is an uncommon reaction among the snobs and the pompous people. You know what I'm talking about? You see, snobs have a hard time surrendering to Jesus, but when they do, they do great things. Nathaniel hears the word Nazareth, and he almost loses his cookies. <laughs> he couldn't even get it out. Nazareth? You kidding me? No way. You see, Nathaniel is from Cana of Galilee, a little town less than two miles away from Nazareth. And he knew Nazareth only too well. <laughs> I know this is a fact that there are some people in certain regions of a country look down to other people from another region of the same country. That is a fact. Today, Cana of Galilee is a tiny little town, one street. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. One street. And those of you who travel to Israel, you've seen it. They are little shops selling icons, and right at the end of the street is a church that's built on the site where Jesus turned water into wine. That's it. Nazareth, on the other hand, because of Jesus' fame, is now a huge metropolis. Because all the surrounding hills have got much, much bigger. But back then, at the time of Jesus, it was the other way around. It was the opposite. Cana was the commercial center. Nazareth was a dusty town with very poor reputation. Listen to Nathaniel's reaction to the invitation. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Come on. I mean, his voice drips with scorn. His reaction is loaded with contempt. I mean, his attitude is laden with sarcasm. But I love to quickly move into Philip's response to that kind of snobbery. <laughs> Philip's reaction really blesses me. I don't know about you. It just blesses me. I learn from Philip's reaction. It's a wonderful example, a wonderful model of reaction. 
I mean, this would have been an opportunity for Philip, man, to suck it to Nathaniel. Well, you are ignorant. You don't understand. And in the Bible say, and let me tell you the Old Testament, and I would have, he would have got into a real humdinger of an argument with him. But he didn't. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this was a temptation to, for a rebuttal on the part of Philip. But he refused to do that. I love Philip's response. I love it. What was it? That's it. Come and see. Beloved friend, let me tell you something. Heated arguments and prolonged debates with other people often brings very little results. I can win an argument. I know that. But I don't want to win the argument and lose the person. Learn from Philip. Our response must always be like that of Philip. What is it? Come and see. Philip was so confident of the truth. Philip was so assured of the Messiahship of Jesus Christ. Philip was so certain that Jesus is Lord, regardless from where he came from. So he said what? Ultimately, that's all we can do. Really, in the finest, that's all we should do. Ultimately, that's all we need to do. Jesus will do the rest. Now, it doesn't mean that we should be prepared and answer questions and so forth. But I'm just saying, in the ultimate analysis, Jesus is the one who does the converting. Jesus is the only one who can see through people into their character. Only Jesus can bring a person into conviction and repentance and faith. Only Jesus can exercise divine omniscience. Only Jesus can see past the outward veneer. Only Jesus can see behind the hard masks. Only Jesus can see beyond their appearances into their desperate need. Only Jesus can read their body language. Only Jesus can understand the inflection in their voices. Only Jesus can read their demeanors and look deep into their hurting eyes. Only Jesus can do that. And that is why our testimony must be very simply what? You see, Jesus saw Nathaniel before Philip ever invited him. He saw him. He saw his desperate need. He saw the, the big veneer he's putting on. He knows that hiding behind all this kind of attitude of I'm bigger than you, I'm better than you, I know more than you do. And he saw all that before Philip ever invited him. You see, when Jesus sees Nathaniel, he says, here's a true Israelite. He say, you dummy. <laughs> Don't you know what? No. He said, here's a true Israelite. He saw that he has zeal for his religion. He's a true Israelite in who there is nothing false. It's amazing to me. I mean, Nathaniel at that moment melts like butter. He becomes so bamboozled at Jesus' response. <laughs> How do you know? Jesus knows everything. Look at verse 48. I saw you while you're still under the fig tree before Philip invited you. Oh, my. And Nathaniel immediately says, Rabbi. You are the Son of God. You're the Messiah. 
You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the king of Israel. Now I know you are the Messiah. Now I know that you are the one that have passed generations of my ancestors who've been waiting for and longing for and didn't have the privilege to see, but I see. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you? Verse 50. You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Nathaniel, you're an Israelite. You know your Bible. You know that in Genesis 27 and 28, your ancestor Jacob, Israel, that's why you are Israelites. You are the descendant of Jacob. You are the descendant of Israel. And you remember back then in Genesis that Jacob in the wilderness had a dream and a vision of heavens are open and the Son of Man is sitting there on the throne and the angels were ascending and descending. Do you remember that? And Nathaniel immediately gets it together. He immediately, his eyes are open. Nathaniel, the one that Jacob saw in the wilderness, was me. Nathaniel, I'm the one through whom all things were created. I am the one who said, let there be light. And, all, and the stars and the sun and the moon sprang into their orbits. I am the one who knew his mama before she bore him. I am the one who appeared to Abraham 2,000 years before my incarnation. I am the one who wrestled with Jacob. I am the one who guided Israel out of Egypt. I am the one who is the commander of the hosts of the Lord who gave Joshua victory. I am the one who guided David. I am the one for whom David sung his psalms. I am the one, I am the one, I am the one who previous generations have longed for and waited for, but did not see, but you do. All we need to say is what? Jesus said to every disciple, follow me. A lot of people use the word, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Lots of politicians, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You see, to follow Jesus doesn't mean just to admire Jesus. What some people really think is just you try harder to be like Jesus. <laughs> well, best of luck. Without God, the Holy Spirit, you can try all you want. Yeah, make it. <laughs> Politicians are lies and shambles. I'm a follower of Jesus. Their policy is demonic. I'm a follower of Jesus. Listen to me. When Jesus said to the disciples, follow me means that you go wherever He takes you and whatever He gives you. Unquestionable obedience. That's what it means. Unquestionably follow Him. And when you do that, He will accomplish whatever He sets to do through you and through me including preparing the people whom we're going to invite and say, come and see. It is my prayer that even now, and with a prayer on your lips, Lord, help me to bring people and tell them, come and see. Father, we're so grateful. We're so thankful that you, the Lord of all, sent your only Son, for whom and through whom 
you created the world. The one in whom all of the Godhead bodily dwells to be born in a dirty little manger like the worst of us so that he can may redeem all of us. Father, I pray, high or low, strong or weak, today, somebody will give their life to you. And above all, Father, for the rest of the congregation, I pray, help us to purpose in our hearts to make eternal difference in the lives of people. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 